sci-fi saturday night sorry for the late start ladies and gentlemen but we usually technology bites us in the ass and it does it again tonight but we're up and running now joining us from the four color vault comics is illustrator x and the dead redhead uh, anticipation it's making me wait <laughs> good evening everyone <laughs> Austin Brighton, Hellmouth Nexus, and Bob Austin, Kriana, and is the, uh, do we have some uh, else oh, there as well? Uh, Dome? Yes? You are breaking up. Yes. All right, all right, all right. We're here. It's me, Zombarian's here. Say hello. Hello. That's hello. the Zombarian. In the rotting, rotting flesh. All righty, so everybody's here. Quick rundown of what's going on well, tonight. And also with us, we have Pat. I was just about to get to that. Okay. <laughs> Didn't forget him. In, a, in our second half hour, author David Niall Wilson will be joining us. And in our first half hour, Pat from Double Midnight Comics to talk about our Granite Con preview. Pat, how you doing, Buckaroo? I'm doing all right. How about you guys? Uh, well, heart stopped for a little bit there, but we're doing fine now. <laughs> you know what? If you if you stream could talk, it would say. <laughs> Bazinga! Oh dear. God. Uh. I can't wait for the guys from Sheldon Shirts to come on. That's all I can say. Do we have that scheduled? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's uh, March twenty-seventh. Lovely. All right, so Pat, as long as we've got you with us, let's talk about Granite Con, which is coming up on Sunday, March 14th. Let's see, Granite Con, March 14th. Uh, we open at 10 o'clock for that, and that's going until 3 o'clock. Uh, you know, not our longest show, but it's going to be a good one anyway. So we got Comic Robo creator Brian Covinger and artist Scott Wagner to be on hand to meet fans. First time together at one of the Granite Cons. Excellent. You know we just had Scott on a few weeks ago. I'm wearing my Tesla shirt. Woo! Woo! Little Susie's on the up. Science. Please continue, um, Pat. Don't mind us. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, like I said, I've got a bad reception right now, so excuse me if I interrupt anybody. Um, but y'all also got a nice slip. For the finale, uh, Sarah Richard will be returning uh, to her second Granite Con. Um, we've got Jason Casey, uh, Nicole Hosh, Matt Cadman, Corey Hodgson, who just got added today. 
uh, Michelle Canard and uh, the Underberg guys, Joe Haley and Jay Our buddies. I love the Underberg guys. Now, where are we having uh, Granite County National? Where is it going to be held? Uh, it's going to be held at the Radisson Castle Hotel. Uh, very, very gorgeous location. Uh, I've actually been to a show, a couple shows down there. Wicked, wicked nice. Uh, location is spot on perfect for what we do. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a great show as well. Um, we'll have a nice, awesome contest to be sitting along with it as well. Uh, there will be uh, prizes for first and second place as well as honorable mention for adults and youth categories, which is going to be, I believe, 16 and under, I think that's what we settled on. Um, and to continue with that, we are also going to have a fashion show for that as well. So if there happens to be a kid costume that's actually better than everything else, you can go invest in show as well. Rock on. Sounds nice. like fun. Yep. Yep, it's going to be our first ever costume contest, too. So if uh, we like the way things go on with it, we're going to bring it back for Manchester. Who's judging? Uh, uh, we've got a group of judges, uh, Sarah Richard being one of them. Uh, she's going nice. to take a little bit of time away from her group to help judge. Uh, and Jamie Graham and Abby Fellows who will be there for a little bit to judge as well. Can I just uh, say that I are... went to high school with all three of those girls? <laughs> <laughs> I love them dearly. They're, they're fantastic friends of mine, but I haven't seen them, well, I haven't seen um, at least Abby in a very, very long time. I, I've seen Sarah and Jamie at Comic-Con, actually. But continue, sorry. No need. Oh, sorry. Um... So yeah, they'll be judging from uh, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. and we'll announce winners at 2 o'clock. Uh, should be a great little uh, contest that we're going to do. Hopefully, we can continue it on for past shows, as, uh, for later shows as well. Fantastic. Uh, let's see. Yep, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm looking forward to the 100%. I've been seeing some of the stuff that they've done in the past for costumes, and I know they're going to do a great job. Wow. Uh, and to continue on with the costume aspect things, we're going to have the Ghostbusters in Hampshire there uh, to uh, take pictures and raise money for the Red Cross Haiti Relief Fund. Uh, they will be giving out raffle, doing raffles, giving out uh, Ghostbusters Hampshire t-shirts slash Granicon t-shirts, uh, as well as some other goodies too, uh, which I'm sure everybody will be happy to see. Um, so if you haven't seen these guys, we're talking there's uniforms, their photo contacts, like everything, like they're spot on perfect. Wow. Wow, that's excellent. They're, they're amazing. Mm. Now, any truth to the rumors uh, that uh, Stanley and, and James Cameron will be showing up? Uh, like, I will. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately uh, from what we were told, Dan couldn't make it because he has previous engagements, I believe, at Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, and James Cameron, while well, he's hoping, fingers crossed, to have won that Oscar tomorrow. <laughs> or several of them tomorrow. <laughs> Excellent. We'll see you uh, All right. Uh, finish Thank up. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Finish up the uh, last thing that we got going on. Uh, we got a couple of gaming tournaments too. 
Uh, we got a huge Yu-Gi-Oh tournament, a gigantic Magic tournament, and a couple of video game tournaments, uh, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, and Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Uh, we were going to try to sit in Dance Dance Revolution, but uh, we'll see how that works out. Please hold for the doctor. The doctor will be right with you. So how much does it cost to get in? You know, considering I just paid 12 bucks for a matinee today of Alice in Wonderland, that is a really good oh, deal. Oh, I'm going to hear about this for days. Mm. <laughs> yes, clearly you are going to not. Somebody's <laughs> not going to stop talking about having to pay 12 bucks to see a movie you didn't particularly... No, but, no, but it, I'm not... No, I'm putting this in a positive light. I mean basically pat saying we can get all of this stuff for three bucks or even free depending it's true yeah. great and family great be... guys what was that sorry no i just said great family pricing for the yeah. kids if a nice day with the kids and absolutely absolutely and pick up some cool stuff while you're there yeah too. more money to buy swag right. absolutely okay well, we are kind of running sh behind this show, so Pat, thank you very much uh, for these updates, and we're you know have hopefully have you or someone else from from Double Midnight on next weekend as well to to hype the show, and best of luck with that. Well, thank you guys for having me on. All righty, Pat, thanks a lot. We'll be talking to you, and we'll see you next Sunday. You guys next Sunday. All righty, bye bye. I see. Bye. Awesome. Alrighty, now moving on to news. It's news time. It's a great day for America, everyone. Did you just make your own news theme music? Like, really? I have news theme music. It's just news from around the world. Doo da, Go ahead. I was going to say, we should open up, though, with the mention of today um, is the date of Andrew Koenig's funeral. That's uh, Walter Koenig's son. And uh, again, as we said last week, I mean, all of us here at Sci-Fi Saturday Night, our hearts and our thoughts go out to uh, Walter Koenig and, and all the friends and family of the Koenigs. It's, it's a very uh, tragic day, and we do um, wish them the very best in this time. Couldn't agree with you more. Unfortunately, at a time like this, there's not much else you can say about that. Mm. Uh, now, but, how do we how do we segue out of this? On a lighter note. Oh, okay. <laughs> that works. Okay. Let's talk some TV for a little bit. What do you say? Okay, what's coming back? What's going away? Well, what's coming back? Fringe has been renewed for a third season. Yay! Yeah, let me tell you about Fringe. Please do. First season of Fringe, I was on the fence. By the end of the first season, I liked it. Yes. By the beginning of the second season, I was hooked. I'm really glad it's coming back for a third season. That's two of us. 
Um, no, three of us. Six. Four. Four. Uh, who, who's, do, do I hear some dissent here? No. Oh, okay. The Illustrator X just pops in and out of it. He watches it with me here and there, but he, he's not a standard viewer. No. X. It's a good show. No, I'll give it that. I mean, it's starting to grow on me. I mean... Yeah, but so does Fungus. That's not a good show. <laughs> But what I, you know, speaking of renewals, though, I have a deep theological issue here. Smallville, Smallville has been renewed for a tenth season. Tenth, ten years, a decade of Smallville, ladies and gentlemen. Wait, come on! Now, I, I actually uh, posted on my Facebook page when the news hit, and uh, I guess I said, Firefly fans. What what do you think of this? Does you know what is Tom Welling doing right that Joss Whedon is doing wrong? And wow. I got some interesting feedback. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there are lots of comments about Tom Welling shirt off. Yeah, that'd be the overriding factor there. So you know, I think if Sarah Michelle Gellar had taken her shirt off, Buffy might still be on here. You know, I think Buffy ended gracefully, though. I mean, it was everyone yes. knew it no, was going it downhill. It no. did so. No, it did. No, that was But it ended gracefully. I agree with you. Thank you. Well, gracefully, more like, well, I put out the fire, and I suppose I'll just, you know, <laughs> you know, limp gracefully to accept my award here. No, 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 no. That's another. That's a discussion for another show. Yes. The Joss okay, Beaton special. Fine. So the curse of Chai McBride continues as human target tanks and will not be renewed. Yeah, Chai, oh, once Chai again, McBride. Chai McBride, great actor, but you are the Ted McGinley of our generation. Any show you're on, <laughs> Pushing Daisies. Uh, one of my favorites, Boston Public. I really liked that. Yeah. I thought he was awesome in that. And I thought Seven of Nine was great in that show, too. Oh, oh yes, yeah. was absolutely. But uh, you know what? Human Target saw the first episode, called the ending within ten minutes. I was like, "That's it, forget it." Okay, I got good news and bad news for you. Good news is Chuck has been renewed uh, for another season. Yeah. I really like the show. I really think it's original. The bad news is so is Heroes. Heroes thinks what? Chuck is original. No, Heroes has been renewed for a season. Yeah, Heroes needs Heroes can't even die gracefully. Heroes, if it had been canceled after the first season, would have been legendary. Well, see now I'll this, even go to the second season. Yeah, but this is this is not unexpected. I mean, Heroes is a show for comic book fans. I mean, and any comic book fan will tell you there are periods where your favorite show your favorite book stinks. Yep. There are there are so many people listening right now who have two years worth of Daredevil that I could have just thrown away. I was gonna say X Men, you know. <laughs> Any basically anything between um the John Byrne uh Claremont era of the X Men and the Joss Whedon era, anything between that, you can pretty much throw away. Nothing really happened, people. You know, mm-hmm. oh, so that's what's happening now. There may be, you know, there may be another season of Heroes. You know, 
maybe, well, maybe it'll be their 10th season where it starts to pick up again. Oh, dear. Let's hope it, not. It actually, you know, if, if push comes to shove with some of the genre stuff, and we're not talking Shocktopus here, <laughs> uh, you know, this could very well be the turnaround for Heroes. Because, you know, NBC has nothing else to put on. No, they don't. Heroes is safe for them. So really, it was just a safe decision. It was, it was nothing more than a safety decision because the ratings certainly don't uh, justify bringing it back. No, it doesn't. That's why I was very surprised to hear that. And what yeah. scares me is that people are still watching Smallville for no apparent reason. <laughs> Can that son of a bitch have a suit yet? Oh, that uh, wait, wait. <laughs> how many? How many seasons? Let's see. Dollhouse was two seasons. Firefly was oh, one, one season. One. Not even a full season. <sighs> Someday, Joss, you'll get to those double-digit seasons Buffy if you try harder. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> I feel like there needs to be like a song for that, Joss. We didn't, we know you write awesome songs. Like, I think you need to write a song about double-digit seasons and how you have never had one. But I'm sure you will someday. I think Illustrator X is yeah, going to be walking around can, with a big target on his back if he keeps it up. I know. Yeah, look out at Granite Con. Well, I could just, no, I'm sure you could just sum up the whole Joss Whedon Smallville thing with qu- quality versus quantity. This is true. Well, if you, if you look at it in that respect, um, how many quality episodes were there of Firefly? All of them. All of them. All of them. How many quality episodes were there of Smallville? So far, only two um, this season. Well, <laughs> I can count it on one hand, but that hand is getting full. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. I, personal <laughs> I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> nice. uh, no, Unfortunately, I think that a lot of those pretty people just mm. figure if they don't have Smallville, they have no other jobs to go to because nobody else will hire them. Would you? No. Exactly. Stupid Vampire Chronicles is still on, and I can't, I, for the life of me, I can't figure out what that's about. One word, tweens. Not even. Oh, God. Yeah. We're in the Twilight era, my friend. The vampires are going to be in for a while. Get yeah, used no, to it. No matter how bad they are. Oh, by the way, I read a, uh, I read a, uh, uh, an interview with, uh... A vampire? Spike. Ah! Yes. <laughs> I, love, I love how the dead redhead screams. Sorry, I didn't mean to, didn't mean to touch you there. <laughs> but uh, he, he said in an interview, and it was kind of interesting, uh, that he really wants to bring back Spike as a character. He really wants to bring him again. He said, but the clock is ticking on it. He really can't you know, seriously do it for much longer. So if, and he said, he frankly called out Joss Whedon on it and said, make the movie. I'll do it. You know, he's not supposed to age, so that could be a problem. Well, yeah, I think that's, that's, that is the problem. Given that the man is gorgeous as he is, but you know. Like the comics, Spike could totally have his own spinoff. Well, I was still waiting for the Watcher spinoff. I really, really wanted to see the beginnings of Anthony Head's character. Ah, screw and the, the Watchers. Spin-off. I mean, Spike is like 
Mayhem. You could have Drusilla on. It would be all dramatic. Would you stop that? <laughs> David Boreanaz, if he lost a few pounds, he could reprise Angel. Oh, you yeah, know? Absolutely. He's not going to. He's he's doing Abigail. very well for himself with bones. He got pudgy. Oh. He didn't get pudgy. He got uh, like a non no, it, it's, it's the mark of a thespian. He did it for the role. Oh, okay. Glad we cleared that one up. But you know what? It's, uh, it's almost 8.30. Should we do our uh, trivia question? Oh, wait, before we do that, though, I think that Tom Welling could always take over the role of Angel. He really is a big goddess back. Anybody who's going to Grand Comic Con, <laughs> look for Illustrator accent and click him in the head for me. He'll be the one with the blur mask on. He'll be there with the target on his back, and I love Joss Whedon tattooed. <laughs> yeah. At this point. At this point. Which brings us to trivia time. Dun, dun, dun. Don't sing. Oh, come on, guys. I didn't do it. Um, I did I will if you want me to. I, I know the lyrics to Rainbow in the Dark. Because of the singing. I'm serious. When there's lightning. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. What's the trivia question? Trivia question for tonight. Name the science fiction author and editor of the omnibus Dangerous Visions. Very simple answer. Very simple question. Is it posted? The way to win tonight's prize is... Comment on our blog. And tonight's prize is Batman Blackest Night 1 through 3 of 3. So to win this prize, go on our blog, SciFiSaturdayNight.com, click on the trivia post, and enter the correct answer in the comments section. If If only to show the rest of our international audience that you are right. The international audience. We're back to that one, are we? Uh, I'm getting feedback. <laughs> hey, we got listeners in China. Dying. I mean, that's a big deal. No, 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 no. Listener. Listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know the guys holding the, 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 the computer out the window to the teeming masses. I suppose. Guys, I, I'd like to say that we have a record-breaking number of listeners tonight. Woohoo! Woo-hoo! I think that's thanks to Mac Heist, so shout out. We love you, Mac. Hello, Mac. Heist people, God bless you for dropping by. And uh, anybody who happens to know who the author of the Omnibus Dangerous Visions was, well, the editor, the editor, <laughs> and also wrote uh, a short story in both Dangerous Visions and again Dangerous Visions. All right, all right. No more hints, jeez. Anyway. <laughs> there were 80 stories in the volume you got a choice pick one of 80 in any case or just google it website. and, and uh, yeah you could do that too was it Charles Schultz no <laughs> and it wasn't Joss Whedon thank you <laughs> I don't think he was born. <laughs> anyway, I think it's time to bring in our guest. It is indeed. All right, that, just give uh, me a couple of seconds to add him to our conference here. And uh, no singing technology. while she does it? No. no. No, no, we'll just, 
Well, you have to talk to, to mask the sound of the hand crank technology here. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's very steampunk. Creak. Yay, steampunk. It's ringing. Make, make the hamster go faster. I know. Faster, Pussycat. Kill, kill. Ooh. Tura, Satana. Uh, well, while we're rust- waiting. It's Rustire time. Hello? Yes? Hmm? Guest? No guest yet. I'll let you know. I'll say, hello, David. And then you'll know that he's connected. Okay. Well, that didn't work. Yeah, but what if it's David Hasselhoff? And it we is have to not going to be David Hasselhoff. <laughs> could be David Hyde Pierce. It could. Well, he would be more enjoyable to talk to. Than David Hasselhoff? Yeah, I agree. He was in Help Hi, Boy. David. Hey, sorry about that. I had it on two computers and the other one tried to answer. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We were making David Hasselhoff jokes all the time, so you're fine. Uh, you don't hassle the huff. <laughs> <laughs> David, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night on the Dome. How are you? Good. It's a pleasure to have you on our show tonight for uh, a listing of David's websites. Check our website with the podcast. It will have his website as well as something called macabreinc.com. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, X. Yes. Join us. All right. Well, let's just give the quick intro for our esteemed guest here. Uh, Just reading right off your own website, David. Uh, David Niall Wilson has been writing and publishing horror, dark fantasy, and sci-fi since the mid-'80s. His novels include Maelstrom, Sins of the Flash, Vintage Soul, Moten Andrea's Eye, uh, among others, he has over 150 short stories published in five collections, one of which, Defining Moments, was nominated for the Bram Stoker Award in 2007. He has won the Bram Stoker Award for his poetry and his short fiction, and has high hopes of someday writing something remembered as great. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, honesty is refreshing, David. <laughs> But uh, I mean, wow! You know, I checked out, but checking out your website all week, and you have quite the resume behind you here. But uh, we want to talk about your book that came out this past December, Vintage Soul. What What's going on with Vintage Soul? Tell us about it. Well, it's kind of a departure for me um, from what I do in my in my regular writing. I've done a lot of licensed work, and I did some novels for White Wolf for their um, Vampire the Masquerade. Dark Ages, and I had a lot of fun with that, but they have a lot of rules. And uh, I butted heads with a lot of editors during that period. And it just seemed like something that would be fun to write if I didn't have those rules. So I created my own series character, Donovan DeChance, and uh, started out with Vintage Soul. And I've just finished book two in the series, too, so I'm really hoping the first one takes off. Excellent. Now, I mean, again, this is a vampire book, and... um... I mean, what sets Vintage Soul apart from all the other vampire series that are out there right now? I bet they don't well, the sparkle. First thing that said, Please. No, they don't sparkle. Excellent. Thing, Thank God. <laughs> in fact, if you check my website, you'll find a list of uh, comparisons of real vampires and Twilight vampires in your Excellent. Um, it's not a vampire novel. That's what sets it off mostly. Donovan is a book collector, mage, um, private investigator, and he's hired to investigate the kidnapping of a vampire. Mm. So in this in this particular case, there are a lot of vampires in the book, but they're just characters. 
Oh, okay, yeah. so it's no dressing. Could Seth Vampire be played by Tom Cruise? Just, just ask. <laughs> I would. I would. <laughs> oh. Now, on your blog, you you actually have said that uh, Donovan DeChance is one of the favorite characters you've ever created. Now, why is that? Um, I think because he combines a lot of different aspects of myself. I mean, he's, he's a book collector. He's got all kinds of really old books. Um, he's into all kinds of strange occult things. He loves cats. Um, hey. He gets in a lot of trouble. So far, you're fitting right in with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make him a little a little unique. I don't want to just, you know, follow the Jim Butcher and all the other crowd down that, you know, occult detective route. There's a little bit more supernatural in my books than there is in most of those urban fantasies. Oh, for example? But just a little less interaction with the real world. I mean, he doesn't run afoul of the local detectives, or, or not yet, anyway. Um, <laughs> and when he does interact with the people that are daytime world people, they take it very much for granted that all this stuff is happening. Um, it happens in a city that I created long ago for a, a different book that's now been... I couldn't even think of all the stories and novels I've written involving these four or five cities, and San Valencia's California is one of them. And that's where Donovan and his crowd hang out. Cool. So are any of those oh, early books his... involving those cities available on your e-store? Pretty much literally. I mean, between the four settings, it all novel that I've written on. And you're touched on those. Even some of the White Wolf stuff touched on them. Because there's the novel Ancient Eyes that I wrote. And uh, it takes place involving characters that were actually in, peripherally in one of my White Wolf books. I had to get permission to do that. And uh, they all involve San Valencia, California, Lavender, California. I have another upcoming novel, Maelstrom, that, that takes place in Lavender, which is right outside San Valencia. Very nice. So, so but I mean... Uh, You've got a lot of crossover then, so fans of your, your White Wolf series will be able to pick up on things um, that are in this new novel then? I hope so. I, I had to be real careful with that because I don't own any of that White Wolf stuff. And if they, you know, even for a minute thought that I was using something I created for them and they bought from me, they might get irritated. Yeah. But I think they would definitely recognize what, what's in this book. They might even recognize, I, I had one character from White Wolf, Montrevant was a vampire, and I... I think they might recognize some of him in, in Deshaun. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So let's let's talk about some of the delivery systems that you have on your website. You have uh, an e-delivery system for uh, a lot of your uh, a lot of your work. Uh, why did you choose to go with an e-book delivery system? Well, it seems. It seemed like a no-brainer to me. I sat down one night and I was looking at my hard drive and once once again trying to organize all the words, the millions of words from the last 20 years. And I started thinking about the fact that about three-quarters of those words were printed, forgotten, and sitting on my hard drive and nobody was ever going to see them again. And with the, you know, with Kindles and everything coming up all over the place and other people having great success with ebooks, I thought, why not bring the old stories and the old novels back and give them another shot? And Honestly, I think I've gotten a really good response to that. I've, I think I've picked up more new readers from that than I have um, from the new novel. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. So now, I've checked out your store, and let's talk a little bit about pricing, because Amazon likes to price their books right around, you know, $9.99, and other more traditional, I mean, I say traditional, but older, I guess, is more appropriate 
ebook retailers price more around the $11.99 to me up to like $15.99 for new releases. So what are your thoughts on that sort of pricing? Well, the, like I, I, we spoke earlier, the paradigm's a little bit different for me. I think you're going to see a lot of authors doing what I'm doing. I, I, my books are already edited. They've already been proofed, and they've been published before. So for me, I have to format the book, and I put it up on my website for sale, and that's the lift that I have to do. Um, so I don't see any reason why I should you know, overcharge for that. I think one of the biggest problems with my books is a lot of them came out in hardcovers and limited editions, and nobody could afford to read them. So I'm not about to price them out of somebody's range, and I would guess that my 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 amount of money for a $4.99 book is still larger than I got on my royalty on a hardcover. Sure. You know that's you know, and I'm hearing a, a lot about that the whole do-it-yourself uh, phenomenon of late. I mean, I've I've talked to local bands where they tell me that they make more money selling their own homemade CDs at shows than uh, going through an actual record company. It makes more sense to them to stay independent. Do you think for people are attracted or I'm sorry? What? Well, I was going to say, well, we don't, a lot of us, like, you know, Stephen King gets $10 million for three books. Well, yeah. 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 So there's no but, advance I mean, for me to. That's Stephen King. Right. Uh, uh, but I was going to say. What? Go ahead. We'll, we'll end this dance at some point, don't worry. Uh, what I was going to say was, do you feel that uh, people are attracted more to your ebooks because of the price, or do you think it's more because you're seeing more and more people just on it as a medium, or, um, or you get better promotion through going you know, strictly Internet? How do, how do you see this as being the primary mover? Well, I, I think for me there's, there's several things that factor in. One is that most of these books have been out of print for long time so that the people seeing my books are seeing them with a brand new cover and they're seeing them for the first time. They're, they're not coming back to an old book that they've seen before. And uh, that, that's a big difference right there. It's easier for them to get these and read Kindle everything. There's hundreds of thousands of them now and a lot of them are just new readers for me. They're, they're completely new to what I've got. So for, for them, this is a new product and with my pricing, it's a better new product than say Fourteen ninety nine for the new bestseller, and then I can buy five of my books for that price. So, um, yeah. And also, it doesn't go away for me. The difference is this book can stay in print like this until the internet dies. Until you decide, to, yeah. Until <laughs> Probably you decide than to that. take it off your website. Yeah, uh, exactly. So I mean, what we're seeing now is that you know there was a point at which you know authors who couldn't get published would go to a vanity publisher or you know and and then have i don't know cases of hardcover books that they would uh you know mail out to people but now what we're actually seeing is that you know good mainstream uh really well done work is being is circumventing the whole publishing process in the same way that musicians are circumventing the whole uh, music uh, publishing process and downloading directly from their websites uh, the way you're doing with uh, your, your older books. Yeah, and now we have different platforms like 
music got the iTunes store, and now books have, you know, the Kindle, and the EPUB format that's all open source and very, you know, extensible and easy to use cross-platform. And I noticed that you actually offer your books in a variety of different formats, but most people don't. But as far as formats go, EPUB is definitely one of the best ones. I didn't see any mention of any, you know, digital rights management on, on nope. your site. Not on my site. Yeah. I don't see any point to it. If somebody's going to steal it, I mean, you can, you can find a crack code for digital rights management of any kind in about 10 minutes. So if they're going to steal it, they're going to steal it. And if they would have paid for it, I don't think they're going to steal it. So. And I mean, at your prices, which range from a dollar for a short story to, what, six ninety nine is your highest priced novel that I saw? Right, and that's actually just because I didn't completely configure it back down to five ninety nine with the others. Oh, well, <laughs> it really only costs five ninety nine. But, but you know, it, it's such a low barrier compared to this like nine ninety nine or eleven ninety nine. People are like, "Well, if I like his stuff already, if they've read one of your books, why not just go and buy all of them?" I know I wouldn't hesitate for four ninety nine a novel to buy something from one of my favorite authors. Well, that's what I'm hoping people are going to how they're going to feel because really, with the internet, the internet reaches out to so many millions of people, and there's no barrier. I mean, one of the big problems with selling my books to fans and science fiction and genre stuff is is the overseas shipping. There's no overseas shipping with an ebook. It's free no matter where you're at, as long as PayPal handles the payment. Anybody, anywhere can get that book. That is an awesome delivery system, and yeah. I think it is the way of the future right. for, for an awful lot of uh, entertainment. Well, sure, there's, no, there's almost no overhead, especially for books. I mean, not so much for music and really not so much for video, but at least for books, which are text-based... You know, bandwidth, negligible. Right. Hosting, yeah. pretty negligible. At this point, you can get web hosting for free if you must. They can um, get web hosting from Macaw Inc. You hey, can Dave? get web hosting from there. And then, you know, you don't have to actually make physical copies. Digital copies have no, you know, increased production cost. There's just right. nothing. So it, it's pure profit. Right. Yeah. Hey, David, um, tell us about the Macabre Inc. digital contest that's running through midnight March 8th. Actually, there's two things running. The one going through March 8th is any, any $5 you spend on downloads gets you one entry into a, a contest to win a couple of books. One of them is my 1995 Almost Impossible to Find collection to follow the House of Escher and other illusions. That's a great title, by the way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I had to write the story. We came up with a title at a convention. It was Lawrence Watt Evans and I sitting on a bed, and, and we came up with this title, and I had it for years, and I finally had to do it. Actually, uh, Dave Bear wrote, or Greg Bear wrote one with that same title, but I, oh. wrote, I beat him by about three years. So <laughs> Nice. Nice. And then there's an art copy, uh, an advanced reading copy of Vintage Soul and some coupons for downloads, for more downloads. Um, and that's just anything that's bought from the store between now and, and midnight on the 8th. But then there's ebook week that starts next week. And during ebook week, everything in the digital store is 50% off with the, with the coupon. So those books that you thought were cheap, they're really cheap next week. 
Excellent. Starting tomorrow. <laughs> so I have a question, just to go back for a moment to ebooks as the future. You mentioned before that you're a book collector. Yes. And how do you think? How do you feel about this whole idea that ebooks are going to someday replace print books? Do you think that's actually going to happen, or do you think that there's still going to be that collector drive? I think people are still overstating that. I, I know, I mean, like I told you before, I'm an IT director also, and I know that there's still only a tiny percentage of people that even use their computer for email, let alone anything else. Um, print books aren't going anywhere in the near future, and as a collector, the books that I get are usually from specialty presses. So I'd probably like to read that ebook and then fall in love with the book and then go buy the book signed by the author. You know, I was just about to say that because, you know, as, as an avid reader and avid book collector for way too many damn years. Uh, uh, for example, I can't tell you how many copies of Stranger in a Strange Land have gone through my house. I mean, I, I, I've got two different hardcover versions of it, and I've worn out or given away at least half a dozen as well. Why, is so, it any good? No, oh, no really crappy. Ouch. He hasn't been able to get through it yet. <laughs> Good Lord. So I just, you know, there's a part of me that as much as I embrace the technology, and I do, I work in the technology every day, but there's another part of me that very clearly needs that tactile function of yeah. a book. There's something special about a book. One thing, one thing I was going to say about ebooks that, that struck me not too long ago is when somebody buys one of my books or a signed copy or something, I never know if they're buying it to put in their pile of books to be read or if they're going to put it on the shelf and say it's a signed copy. If they buy an ebook, they're probably buying it to read. Sure. That's very true. And I'm exactly the opposite of Dome, actually. I would prefer ebooks because A, they're lighter if you have to move, <laughs> B, I read really fast. If I'm into a book, I can knock off a longer book in, you know, a week, maybe less. And it's just more efficient to have a whole host of books on my phone, iPod, iPad, whatever, um, than to be lugging yeah. around three or four books to read at lunch whenever I have a break, you know? So I just find it more convenient. But, Donna, you also know that that's where you cut your teeth. Is all those paperback, those books all around? Well, and I'm just saying, when you're on a boat in the middle of a river in South Carolina, and you're bored and you don't have anything else to do, having 80 books at your fingertips is extremely <laughs> awesome. I hope no one's going to start singing. I'm on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Exciting end. No singing. Thank you. But you know what? If we're not going to sing, you know, it's time to play. Wait. No, wait. Before we start playing, I do have one thing I want to say. Okay. David, first of all, David, I want to say your your website wins the award for most, like, every single centimeter is crammed full of stuff. It is one of the most enjoyable websites to just take a whole afternoon and explore from all the stuff you have. Whiskey reviews, <laughs> screenplays, books, and so forth. 
Uh, the thing that I want to ask you, though, I loved the OK Go video for this Two Shall Pass that's on your site. Yes. How, how often does Neil Gaiman actually send you cool links of stuff? Um, I actually got that from him off of uh, Twitter. However, we do talk, and we're supposed to be doing a book together. This is stunned silence. Do tell. <laughs> uh, well, actually, it is. Miss Lee Selling. She does the puppets. She's she's a kinetic artist, and she and Neil are good friends. And she and I have known each other a long time. There was a book called Strange Attraction based on one of her big art pieces, and a bunch of us wrote stories, and it was all published in this anthology. So I said, you know, the two of us have written more stuff based on her art than anybody. Why don't we all do a book together and she could do these images and we'll do stories for it. The problem is that nice. we're one story away from finishing this and it's Neil's story and we're just waiting for Neil to find time to write that last original uh, story. Uh, Amanda Paul runs. <laughs> nice. That's great. Hey, by all means, let us know when that comes out. We'd be more than happy to have you back to push that. Absolutely. You yeah. and Neil have you and Neil on at the same time. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope... I hope he is. I hope I haven't said much about it. <laughs> I wrote my fights two years ago, and I'm waiting to see them come out. So. Well, don't go because time to play Wall of Weird. <laughs> David, Woo! tonight you get to listen to the Wall of Weird and decide. Which one of these things actually isn't true? Actually, we have six stories, Kyle. That's what we did last time, but it's been quite a week for the Wall of Weird. Uh, just to give you an example, very classic 40th. If people are familiar with their 40th times and that whole situation of what are 40th, we have that it rained fish in Australia. Yes, I said fish. In fact, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of small white fish that fell, which they believe are spangled perch, as a matter of fact. And that was in Australia at the, um, it's about 550 kilometers southwest of a town called Catherine in Lajamanu. And if anybody's from Australia out there, I'm sure you can correct how I pronounce that. Liamanu, perhaps, but it happened on Thursday and Friday afternoon, and they had hundreds and hundreds of fish fall. One person was quoted as saying, thank God it wasn't crocodiles. Okay. Our second story. Our second story comes out of eastern China, where doctors believe that Song Sheng may be suffering from a rare genetic condition where he has been developing skulls on his skin, calling him the, the boy. Tracy, it's because of... Uh, Dead Redhead, you're breaking up a little bit. Can, can well, you go back uh, to he's developing no, what you now? Do it he, oh, he's developing fish scales. Oh, okay. Maybe if I back up a Let me see if that helps. Okay. He apparently has a genetic condition known as... <coughs> Lemolar ichthyosis, in which case uh, that he cannot sweat 
or lose heat through his skin. So instead, his skin becomes very scaly and his skin flakes off, just like a fish's scales. Okay, that's story number two. Story number three we have from Pocatillo, Idaho, which is an actual place. We checked this out. Uh, we have a case of haunted living dead dolls. If people are familiar with those living dead dolls, I find them better than Barbies, personally, that <laughs> buy at places like uh, Hot Topic and all different places. Um, well, a 19-year-old goth girl made the news stating that one of her living dead dolls that she purchased on eBay is haunted. Uh, Ashley Scar Liddell states that she purchased a living dead doll of Edgar Allan Poe, and since taking it out of its packaging, she reports it moves to different rooms on its own, the eyes turn red and glow, and her pet cats run away from it. Uh, they brought in famed demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren to take a look at this doll. And when they saw it, they did say that the doll had a strange aura. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and someone's been reading uh, that Joe Hill book there. Oh, and one of our next stories is about someone who has listed two ghosts for sale. This also, actually, not from Australia, but comes from New Zealand. Which, for right now, they're looking at getting several hundred dollars for. Um, it's also incited a lot of comments and advice on how to get rid of them. Um, so we're, they, uh, they were causing trouble in a house last July, and somebody had said they exercised them. And because they put them in these jars, they say there's been no further disruptions from the ghosts. Uh, they are in bottles of holy water, supposedly, that the vials are dulled the spirit's energy and has put them to sleep. So you, too, can buy yourself a ghost if you wish. We also have a very odd story. Talk about your foot fetish, people. We have a very odd story about a gentleman out of South Korea who would go to, uh, to funeral homes, basically, and as is the custom there, when you walk into a place where somebody has passed away, you have to take off your shoes. And this gentleman was arrested for stealing shoes at the mortuaries. In fact, he had collected 12,000 pair of shoes doing this. He would go to where people were taking off their shoes, and he would take their shoes, and he had a warehouse filled with stolen shoes. And, in fact, what they did is they took them out of the warehouse, and they laid them out so that people could come to claim their shoes if they wished to. Wow. Okay, that's really sad. Now, our, and our very last one is actually about a pesticide that's been on the market for a while called atrazine. And this atrazine, which is commonly used for, um, let me take a look here what they're using. it. It's a weed killer. And it says that atrazine can turn male frogs, not only can it turn them into female frogs, but those female frogs can then successfully reproduce. So this atrazine is turning the male frogs into female frogs, giving them estrogen. 
and letting them reproduce. Those are our wall of weirds this week. David, which do you think is the fake one? Um, I think your demon story. <laughs> the cat and the dolls. Oh, the one about the dolls? Yes, I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't quite wrap my head around that one. I heard about the fish falling from the sky in Australia on Twitter, so I know that that was funny how we get our news so quickly these days. And I don't have any trouble believing somebody stole all those shoes. <laughs> David, you're absolutely right. You won this week. That was our fake story about the living dead dolls. You won a grand total of no prize. <laughs> but you That's did get our admiration for figuring it out. Has any of our guests ever won before? No. Uh, no, you were the no. first to win. Why you prestige. Prestige. So think out of all those things, raining fish, boy getting fish scales, selling bottled ghosts, pesticides turning male frogs into females, and foot fetishes, it's the one about the living dead doll is, is the fake one. It sounds it's too much like weird something. weird world, guys. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, I'm sorry, but the rest sounded plausible. That's the scary part. The rest of them sounded plausible. <laughs> well, we'd already talked about the other horror story earlier in the show with Smallville getting renewed for its 10th season. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Pretty much, didn't we? I think it were not Smallville. Uh, anyway, I, I guess it's just about 9 o'clock, isn't it? My goodness, it is. Listen, in the coming weeks, uh, we are planning to do a number of things. Uh, we are going to have uh, an author tribute to Fritz Leiber coming up in May. And uh, I'm sorry, did you say something there? I just, <laughs> I know something I won't tell. That's right. Would you like to make an announcement, X? Is that, is that no, 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 no. Let's let's uh, let's get everything finalized first, but uh, we got a pretty good guest for that show. On the thirteenth of March, we're going to bring in uh, wonderful artist Tracy Lee Quinn, and on the twentieth, we will have the Brown Coats coming in to talk about their new movie and what they're doing. Yeah, that'll be Michael Dougherty of Michael Brown Dougherty of Brown Coats Redemption, the Firefly mm. sequel film. Not having anything to do with Joss Whedon. <laughs> no, but it's all going to charity, so, you know, what's he going to say? And speaking this... of uh, alternative methods of publication, don't we have Robin Sloan coming up as well? Robin Sloan? Uh, uh, yep, that'll... Joining with April 3rd. Yep, and uh, don't forget on March 27th, we'll be speaking to Michael Waring of SheldonShirts.com for those of you who want to dress just like the guys on the Big Bang Theory. And if you still want to dress like all the people on the Big Bang Theory, this is really cool. ThinkGeek.com is an awesome site. If you haven't been there, you need to. You'll spend $100, you'll feel ashamed, but it'll be the most awesome $100 you've ever spent in your life. If you saw the Bang Theory this week, tell Raj them what we found earlier this week. Had the most fantastic personal soundtrack shirt. Now this soundtrack shirt has ah. history. It began its ah. life, as some other products have, as an April Fool's joke. Every year, Think Geek 
puts out some ludicrous products for April Fools and they're really really funny but sometimes every once in a while there's a product that people say oh my god I actually want that Tauntaun sleeping bag? like the Tauntaun sleeping bag anyway this personal soundtrack shirt was one of them that they had such a high demand for that they actually produced it and this week it was featured on the Big Bang Theory Raj's shirt. Yes, Raj's shirt. Raj's shirt. That was pretty right. Oh, that was pretty awesome. It's hilarious. Uh, okay, well, and, and let's just cue uh, in our, our sponsors, which we are very grateful for. Uh, don't forget, you can meet the Sci-Fi Saturday Night crew in person this Sunday, March 14th at the Granite State Comic Con in Nashua, New Hampshire, and on April 10th and 11th at the Boston Comic Con. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con. Check out the guest list at bostoncomiccon.com. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is also the official podcast of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim Shaw at comicarthouse.com for the best deals on original comic artwork. And, David, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was a pleasure talking with you. We hope to see you again real soon. Thanks for uh, playing with us. Oh, no problem. I had a good time. From high above <laughs> there. All my kids are on Twitter talking about it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, from the uh, Shoehorn Hotel here in Area 51, I am the Dome. From the Four Color Vault Comics, Dead Redhead and Illustrator X, thank you again for a wonderful show. To Yay! be continued. And from the Alston Brighton Hellmouth in Boston, Kriana once again. Oh, well, live long and prosper? No, I got nothing. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. And this, this is the dumb saying, you know, someday technology is not going to bite us in the ass. Till then, we're stuck with it. Good night, everyone.